Well, good morning, Oakwood. Glad that you're here this morning. What a great time of worship and a time of fellowship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We're going to get to take communion in a few minutes. We've got Paul Wilson from the Philippines here with us today. You're going to get to hear him uh, during the communion and the offering time today. Just a great day to be in the Lord's house and to be a part of his family. Just want to invite you to follow along with the message this morning. You can Follow along in your Bible. Um, if you uh, didn't bring your own Bible, there's one in the seat there. You can also follow along on our app. Um, if you download the, the app for Oakwood Enid, uh, download the app and get all the sermon notes there with all the scriptures. We can just invite you to follow along with us that way. We've been in a series called Inside the Lines, and today is uh, part three of that series. Today we're going to be talking about friends. We're going to be talking about friends. Do you remember back, uh, adults in the room, do you remember back when you were kids? Do you remember how fanatical that your parents were about who your friends were? I mean, you remember that was like a really big deal, especially to your mom, you know, maybe, maybe your dad too, but I mean, that's, that was a really big deal about who your friends were. And, and it's because our parents realized something, I think we realize as we mature in life, is that our friends are going to influence our lives. They're going to influence our lives. We, we can try to say, oh, no, not really. But yeah, they, they influence our, our lives. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Let's admit, some of us have become parents today because I've got like a 16-year-old, uh, a 12-year-old, and a 9-year-old. And uh, my, actually, my daughter turns 16 tomorrow, so she's 15 today. But we'll call her 16, right? Got a 16-year-old. Yeah, so a lot of prayer in my house the next few weeks. But, you know, as parents, we... We have to admit, we can be even worse sometimes. I mean, they have surveillance systems now that you can see your kid at school, see your kid at daycare, you know, you can see exactly what they're doing, who they're hanging out with. You can get on their Facebook, you can get on their Instagram, you can read their texts, and you should do that, I think, as parents. Um, you can know how many minutes they've used on their phone, who they're talking to, you can go through every log, every phone number. I mean, there's even stuff, you can have an app on your phone now and install an app on theirs that tracks everything that your child says or does, and they have no idea about it, except now they know. And I'm sorry if that was you <laughs> this morning. But why do we do these things to our kids? What, what's the really the root issue? It's because we know, like our moms and dads knew, that your kids' friends will influence the direction of their life. And so if you're a parent this morning, you know that you have to watch closely who your kids are hanging out with. Whose house are you going to let them go hang out with? Who are you going to let them go spend the night with? What are the morals and the values of that family, of that friend group? Because the older they get, the more the influence of friends are in their life. And we are watching this, and we know this could affect their future, so it's vitally important that we guide them. You know, the things that make friendships so great and enjoyable and awesome are the very things that make them so dangerous. Because we get comfortable with our friends and we let our guards down. You know what I'm talking about? We get really, really comfortable. We call that person a friend and we say things like, man, you know, I'm, I can be really real around them and it's awesome. And, and we listen to their advice, right? They advise us on what we should do. And you think, man, my friend would never ever, ever give me bad advice, right? That's what we think. And because there's this need in every human being that we crave acceptance from someone, when someone accepts us just where we're at, just like we are, that acceptance leaves us open to influence 
in our lives. And being honest, the need to be accepted and loved is a driving force in every person's life. Think about this. Why do you dress the way that you dress most of the time? It's because you're wanting to be accepted. You know, think about back to high school. If you dressed like the preppy crowds because you were trying to fit in with the preppy crowd, right? If you were the athletic type, you're trying to fit in with the athletes. If you were the nerdy type, you know, if you were the goth type, maybe you're just the weirdo type, you know, but you were trying, and a lot of times you consider what you wake up with even on Sunday morning, what you're going to put on has to do with acceptance. What, what about other parts of your life? What about the things that you like, the things that you find? You say, man, I'm really into, into fantasy football. Why are you into fantasy football? It's because there's a group of friends. There's a group of guys that are into fantasy football. Some of you are getting in, you know, maybe you're, you found you're knitting and crocheting. Why do you do that? Do you do that alone? No, you get together with a group of ladies that knit and crochet and do all that kind of stuff. I mean, you go to where it feels acceptance and you feel a part of a group. And you find this common ground. And you have something to talk about and you have something to share life about. We are repelled by rejection and attracted to acceptance. That's a fact. If we find someone that accepts us, we are attracted to that person. But if we feel rejected in any way, it just repels us. When I'm in an environment of acceptance, I'm open to the influence of those people who accepted me. Now, we could learn a lot about this for God's church, couldn't we? That's why I think the church should be one of the most loving and accepting places in the entire world. Where when people walk in the doors that don't know Jesus and don't have their life, life right with Christ, we would love them and accept them just where they're at. Because through that acceptance, there will be this attractiveness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we'll be able to use our influence through acceptance to win them to Jesus Christ, to share the gospel with them. And so this can have a positive aspect to it, but it can also have a very negative aspect to it. When you allow negative influences to be in your life, influence can be turned into something that's developing something very positive or something that develops something negative or bad in your life. I mean, think about this. Did anyone ever smoke their first cigarette alone? There's a lot of addictive behaviors that began with friends, right? When you had that first drink, was it alone? Or was it with a friend? When you watched that first immoral movie, or you first got on that first YouTube video that was just vulgar and apple, you, you got it from a friend. Someone told you to watch it. That first time that you ever committed a crime, maybe you were, it was, it was doing vandalism. You didn't wake up that day and go, you know what, I'm just going to go vandalize something tonight by myself. That would be awesome. No, you did it with a friend. The first time you stole something. The first time you decide, hey man, let's go see if we can steal some alcohol from the quick shop or from, from the grocery store. It was with a friend. Maybe the first time that, that, that you were in a fight, it was because of this group and this group, and you did it with a friend. Your greatest regret in your life, think about it, was it with an enemy or was it with a friend? And I'm curious, those of you that are, that are young and, and, and single, single adults, college students, 20-somethings, are you a bit surprised at what you have done since moving out of your parents' home? You've, you've gone off, maybe you've gone off to, to, to college, maybe you've joined the Air Force, and you're doing some things now that you had a conviction about just a few years ago when you were younger, but you never imagined you would do some of these things, but now you find out, man, I'm so far away from those convictions. What's happened? I would challenge you, look at the people you're hanging out with. Look at the people who have influence in your life. 
because it may be time to get a new group of friends. Here's the bottom line this morning. Your friends influence the quality and direction of your life. So you must choose friends wisely. Now, what's great about this is this this applies to adults, this applies to teenagers, this applies to children. I would even take it a step further this morning. Your friends, they won't just simply influence the quality and direction of your life. They will determine the quality and direction of your life in some cases. And some of you know as adults, we can look back with the wisdom we have now, and we can look back just a few years ago to college or just a, just a decade or two ago to high school, and we can think of how those relationships influenced a direction that maybe we didn't want to go. We find ourselves a changed person today because we're not hanging out with those people anymore. And when we come back to, to, uh, to our high school reunion at the 10 and the 15 and the 20 and the 25-year reunions, you come back and what do you do? You look at those people that you used to be friends with, that you used to be close, that you used to do things with, and maybe even get in a little bit of trouble with. And what do you do? You look at their life and go, man, I'm glad I'm not close proximity to them. Look how they messed up their life. But those people used to have an influence in your life. I mean, this works both ways, I know. Almost every salvation story is a story of people who met each other, who became friends. They were influenced in a positive direction for the gospel and for Jesus Christ. I get it. There's a positive. But there can also be this negative. And because your friends will influence the quality and direction of your life, it's not just because you decide to let them. It's just the nature of true relationship, true friendship. You become vulnerable. You open yourself up to their ideas and their thoughts and their opinions, and they influence your life. And it can be bad sometimes. Sometimes the direction that will lead you is into trouble. And, of course, it's easy for us to say, well, you just got to quit hanging out with those friends. But it's vital sometimes. I've had the privilege of working with three people that were in prison over the last 10 years. That when they got out of prison, actually asked for a meeting with me, came, told me about their life, this is what I did, this is what I've been doing. And you know what? All three of them said the exact same thing. I said, well, how are we going to not repeat this pattern of behavior in your life and end up right back where you're at? And you know what all three of them said? I can't hang out with those people anymore. I remember one of them had been out of prison for about two weeks He said all of his old group had already contacted him wanting to get together. And he said, I can't go there. I can't hang out with those people. That's how I got into drugs in the first place. That's how I went down this path in the first place. I have got to make a break and I've got to find a new set of friends. I need to find some people that are going to put me in a positive, influential direction in my life and not a negative one. And for them, for some of them, their marriage and their future, their life depends on on whether they're going to go back to those old relationships. You know, it's most easily seen and identified, and all the parents could nod, all the grandparents could nod at this. It's most easily seen and identified in the teenage years, isn't it? You look at your son or daughter, and you look at their group of friends, and you'll know, just just have them over to your house a couple times, watch them at the football games and, and go social activities and dance. You'll find out exactly where those friends are. And you'll have a sense as a parent or a grandparent of a direction that that group is moving. And I guarantee you, if you think that group isn't moving in the right direction, you might want to encourage your kid to get out of that group. Because friendship can be very dangerous. And that's why I think it's important that we as Christians will look at Scripture, Right? 
We look at Scripture and we say, well, what's God's direction in this? What is His directive? Because we know, and we've studied the last few weeks, that He wants to direct and He wants to protect our lives, even in this area of friendship. And for some of us, let's admit it, especially in this area of friendship. So where do we find the the guidelines that God wants? They're, They're here in the Bible. So I want you to open up your Bible this morning to Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. This is one of those verses, I got a big star by it in my Bible. This is one of those that when I flip through the pages of my Bible, I want it to jump out at me and remind me. Now last year, or last year, last week, we looked at like 32 verses of Scripture. Today we're really just going to hone in, we're just going to focus on this one. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. If you're, if you're using the Bible that's, that's right there in front of you, just grab it, turn it to page 537. And you'll be right where you need to be this morning. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. And this is what it says. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Let that soak in for a minute this morning. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. And we're going to unpack this verse this morning, really focus in on this. Now, this scripture here has really two parts. It's got the first line and the second line there in verse 20. And, and this is a scripture that has a promise and a warning, a promise and a warning. So let's begin with the promise this morning. Basically, here's the promise. You become wise by doing life with the wise. You become wise by doing life with the wise. That doesn't sound, oh, yeah, that's great. Okay, but think about this, okay? Wisdom is contagious, Wisdom is contagious. Wisdom rubs off on you. You will naturally become more wise and make smarter choices and decisions if you hang out with people who make wise choices and decisions. Let me give you an example of this from my life, okay? I have the privilege, immense privilege, to hang out with other senior ministers. I, I, I can email them, some of them, I can, I can call them on the phone. I, I go to conferences and, and meetings around the country where I get to connect with other senior pastors. And I've actually uh, scheduled myself more time with these people. A lot, of the, a lot of these guys are maybe 10, 15, 20, 25 years my senior. A lot of these guys, maybe they've worked in a mega church. I've got guys that worked in a church of 20, 25,000 that I can talk to. I've got guys that work in churches of three or 400 that I can talk to. Irregardless of size, these men have wisdom. And the reason I would call them and the reason I would talk shop with them and talk church life and talk Christianity and talk discipleship is because I want to learn. I want to be wise as they are wise. I'll give you an example of this. This week, uh, Thursday, I was driving to Ponca City uh, to my daughter's volleyball game. And I was by myself in the car. And anytime I'm by myself in the car, I pick up that phone and I dial down to my SP list, my senior pastor list, and I start having conversation with guys and just connect with them. How are things going with you? How's your personal life? How's your family life? How's your church life? What, what, what's God doing right now? And, and we learn and we sharpen each other. And there's a lot of wisdom there. There's a lot of wisdom for my personal life and my family life that has been given to me through the blessing of companionship with those men. And there's also been... A lot of great decisions that are on my shoulders for God's church that have come through conversations with those men about leadership and direction and discipleship in God's church. And it's a huge blessing. And and I'm telling you, I totally buy into this. If you walk with the wise, you will be wise. You become wise by doing life with these people. 
Now look what it says there. It says whoever walks with them. What does that mean to walk with them? It's actually you're doing life with them. You're in relationship with them. You're spending time with them. You have to understand that imagery to the Bible times is everybody walked everywhere. And it might take you, I mean, it was nothing for somebody to walk three hours to another town and three hours back home in one day. You're talking about six hours of companionship with someone. Six hours walking. That's why it says walk with the wise. Spend quality time with them. Wise people understand that life is connected, that we need to honor God, not in one area or in another area of life, but it's all connected. That we need to live and we need to act according to what God wants. They do not deceive themselves by thinking somehow they can compartmentalize their life or live some kind of a double life. They understand that it's all connected and they're wise about it and they can teach us. So you see, today's decisions, today's decisions are connected to tomorrow's outcomes. So what you decide today needs to be based on tomorrow. Now, you remember last week, if you were here, we talked about life inside the lines. And part two, we talked about the Ten Commandments last week. And do you remember what we said about the Ten Commandments? The Ten Commandments are wanting you to consider God's law and the difference it can make in your life long term. Not short term. So many times we just think in the short term, we're going to make a decision just right here, right now. We don't think, how's that going to affect us tomorrow? How's it going to affect us next week, next year? Two or three years down the road, ten years down the road. We don't think that way, but God does. And because God is full of wisdom, His laws and His rules should guide and govern us. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you decide to walk with the wise today you will more likely be wise tomorrow. Because if you hang out with the wise, you will become wise. That's the promise. It's a good, it's a good thing from Scripture. The second part of this verse in, in Proverbs 13, 20 is a warning. And here's the warning. Something bad is going to happen to you if you buddy up with foolish people. Something bad is going to happen to you if you buddy up with foolish people. Ben Franklin said it this way. If you lie down with dogs, you will wake up with fleas. Make, that makes sense. Proximity, right? And here's where the deception lies. I tell myself, well, I'm not really like them. I'm around them, and I kind of hang around them, but I'm not really like them. I'm not as bad as they are. I'm not as wild as they are. I'm not as freaky as they are. I'll be all right. But the warning here in the scripture is not the companion of fools becomes a fool or the companion of fools becomes a foolish person. No, what does it say there? It's saying that the shrapnel of their poor choices will hurt you and will cause you trouble in your life. Now, there's something that we need to understand about the book of Proverbs and this word fool. If you read the book of Proverbs, you see the word fool all throughout Proverbs. And I would say over 90% of the time when Proverbs is talking about a fool, it is someone who knows right from wrong. They're not like, gee, I didn't know right from wrong. No, this is a person that knows right from wrong and they don't care. They decide, you know what? I'm just going to go my own way. I read that and a word comes to mind. It can be offensive to some, to, to some people, but it's the word idiot. That one goes all over me. I don't like being called an idiot. Do you guys remember when uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Durant played for a real basketball team a few years ago? <laughs> you remember that? Do you remember the press conference? Some of you guys probably remember the press conference where Mark Cuban 
Uh, we were in the playoffs. It was like game five, and Mark Cuban had made a comment before the game that there was only one superstar in the Oklahoma City Thunder, and that superstar was Kevin Durant. And so afterwards, the media was in a presser, some of my favorite pressers of all time, I mean, I would just watch those press conferences, was Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook sitting side by side at the table. And the, 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 the press asked the question of Russell Westbrook, didn't ask Kevin, but asked Russell Westbrook, he was like, hey, hey, you know, uh, Mark Cuban today said there's only one superstar on the Thunder, that Russell Westbrook is a star, but he's not a superstar, and, and that the only superstar on the Thunder is, is Kevin Durant. And Ru Russell, how do you feel about that? And I remember Kevin Durant put his hand over Russell's mic. Because Ru Russell's about to say something. He puts his hand over the mic. And then Kevin Durant goes, he's an idiot. He's like, he's an idiot. And that's all we're going to say about that. Next question. Takes his hand off the mic. That was it. And he was making a distinction. Because if you know Russell Westbrook, the MVP from last season, he is a superstar. And anybody would take him on the team. What was funny is later in the press conferences that night, uh, Dirk Nowitzki, who plays for the Mavericks, he was asked the question, hey, your owner said this about Russell Westbrook, and well, how do you feel about that? And he picks up the mic and goes, I'd take him on my team. <laughs> it's because we know. I mean, that was a stupid statement. You're like, oh, man, what an idiot. That's one of those times where that word was just, it was just so great when it was put into that context. It's like, he's an idiot. And sometimes we look at the people that live their lives and we shake our heads and I catch myself sometimes and I think, that was idiotic. You know, people that are foolish, they think they live for today. Today is today and tomorrow is tomorrow and we're just going to worry about today. We're not going to worry about tomorrow. And they've separated it out. They like to compartmentalize their life. Well, this is my church life and this is my work life. And, and I have my work mouth, you know, that I, that I use certain language here that I would never use in the Lord's church and never use around my Christian friends. And they try to compartmentalize their life. I remember doing this as a teenager. I started doing that in my teens. I have this one, one kind of language I'd use at school sometimes and, and drop a word here and there. And then it comes true. I would never use that language around people in the youth group. I'd never use that language. And, and you think that'll never catch up to you until someone hears you. It has to be connected to your church or your, your youth group. And you get to this point, you're just like, man, don't be foolish. You can't compartmentalize it. It's just not the, the truth or the reality, and we've been deceived there. Now, can you see where this is going? And you see what I'm talking about? Haven't you seen when other people lie, the path that it takes them down, when people make poor choices? Many times, when you warn a fool, he or she, they don't say, what? Well, I had no idea. Thanks so much for warning me. They know. They know. They just chose their own way. And this warning here has to do with proximity. Don't be the companion. Don't be hanging out with. Don't be in proximity to the foolish. Because the fact is, when they eventually go down, you're going to go down with them. Because you're a friend and you're close. And the daggers from those decisions that just spray everybody and hurt everybody and cause pain in everybody's life... It's tremendous sometimes. 1 Corinthians 15.33 puts it this way. It says, bad company corrupts good character. It's because of reputation. It's because of influence. In Galatians, in Galatians chapter 5, uh, it, it says this. Listen to this. You were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from Him who calls you. In other words, it's not from the Lord. It's not from His wisdom. And then the next verse says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. 
You know what that means? That it's talking about dough there when you make dough and like bread. If you put a little bit of leaven and you start working the dough, the leaven what? It goes through all of the dough. It doesn't just stay in one part, compartmentalize or another part. It works its way through all of it. It's talking there about proximity. You can say proximity to evil, proximity to uh, uh, decisions and bad things. Bad company corrupts good character. And I want you to understand that friends who aren't careful with their own lives and their own decisions, they're not going to be careful with yours. So watch closely how your friends live. Friends who don't take care of themselves aren't going to take care of you when you're in need. Friends who don't take care of their marriages are not going to look out for your marriage. Friends who are irresponsible with their finances, they're not going to want you to be responsible with your finances. Friends who don't mind abusing their bodies, they're going to not mind if you abuse yours. Friends who cheat, you'd make them feel a lot better if you'd cheat along with them. Friends who break the law, they won't confront you when breaking the law friends can be dangerous and that's why staying inside God's guidelines for friendship is so vitally important how much heartache and grief could God have saved you if you had allowed him to set some guidelines and speak wisdom into your life like Proverbs 13 20 in this area of friendships and relationships see you need to establish God's standard in the Bible and make it a matter of conviction in your life. And that way, when you start veering in your marriage, or when you start veering uh, with some decisions you're making, or you start cheating, or this alarm goes off, what's the purpose of an alarm? The purpose of an alarm, someone said, call the, call the police, okay? The purpose of an alarm is to draw attention to a problem. That's the purpose of an alarm. Just like alarm in the morning, wake up, <laughs> you got an issue, you got to get out of bed. But alarm on your car, if, the, if there's a car going and the alarm's going off in the parking lot, what's it doing? It's drawing attention. Someone has touched the door handle, someone's trying to break in. Alarm, alarm, alarm system at your work, at your house, someone's trying to break in, they broke a window. They're trying to, to rattle the door, they're trying to break in and, and steal. It draws attention to the problem. We have a couple people on our staff here at church that struggle with the alarm system here. I'm not going to m- mention who they are. But they struggle with it. But anytime the alarm goes off, it draws attention to a problem. And your alarm, which is God's Holy Spirit working and speaking into your life, should go off. And it's there to protect you if you'll establish God's principles in your life. So to end our time this morning, I just want to share with you some signs that you need to put distance in a friendship. Okay, this is painful, it's not fun, it's never easy, but I want to give you just five things real quick here that, need to put, that means you need to put distance in a friendship. The first one is this. If it dawns on you that your core group isn't moving in the direction you want your life to be moving, then it's time to put some distance there. Where people are heading is a good indication of where they will take you if you go with them. And that's why I want to stress to all of you, get involved with people who love Jesus. That's why we make it such a big deal here at Oakwood. Get involved with people here in the church that have wisdom, that have a sense of direction, that are moving the direction toward God that you want your life to move. It's great to have those people in your life. That's why we push connect groups so much. Get involved with other Christians. Start praying for each other. Start studying the Word together. Challenge each other. Do life together. We encourage you to get in a Sunday school class. Get in a connect group. Serve on a ministry team. Get connected to other Christians. If you're at a place right now, you're like, well, I'm not really connected. That might be your next step to following Jesus. 
But if it dawns on you at any point that your core group is moving in a direction you don't want your life to move, it's time to put distance in that relationship and that friendship. The second thing is you, if you catch yourself pretending to be someone you're not, if you start faking it, someone might tell you, well, you act differently around this person. Well, it's because you do. The opposite side of this, I heard a confessing Christian one time say this, I just feel like I can't be myself and be a Christian. Well, that's a sign that you really haven't given your heart to Jesus then. I, I would probably challenge your faith decision. Christianity is not what you do. Christianity is who you are. And if you're with a group of friends and you find yourself pretending to be something that you're not in your heart and in your core, then it's time to put distance in that friendship. The third thing, if you feel pressure to compromise your convictions, if you feel pressure to compromise convictions, that might mean that you need to put some distance in a friendship. Now this happens before you've already compromised your convictions. When something that has never been a real temptation to you all of a sudden becomes a very viable option for you and you know you have a problem with it, sound the alarm and put some space there. Put some healthy boundaries there. Get inside God's lines, his guidelines for friendship. The fourth thing, if you hear yourself saying, if you're saying to yourself, I'll go, but I just won't participate. You ever done that? I remember doing that. High school and college, I, I, I did that. Well, I'm going to go, I'm going to go, but I'm just not going to participate. I'm going to go to the drinking party where everybody's going to be drinking, but I just won't partake in it. Well, I'm going I'm to go to the movie that I know I shouldn't watch, but I just, I just, I'll block out all those scenes. Well, I'm going to go over to that friend's house, and I know they're going to be looking at this or watching this or seeing this or doing this, but I just won't participate. If you're, if you're doing self-talk like that, like, I'm going to go with them, but not just participate might be time to put some distance in that friendship. And the fifth thing, the last thing, if you hope the people you care most about in your life don't find out where you've been or who you've been with, that's a sign you might need to put some distance in that relationship. If you ever at that point and you're like, oh my goodness, I hope my parents don't find out. If they found out who I was with and where I was right now, because we have a great sense about this, being in proximity to evil. And if you're trying to hide who you're hanging out with, if you're trying to hide where you're hanging out, then I think that's a sign. It's time to put some healthy boundaries and some guidelines back into that friendship. It's no fun, but it's necessary. And the scripture today beckons us to be intentional about walking with who? Walking with the wise. Because if we walk with the wise, the promise is you become wiser. You'll become wise yourself. This doesn't happen haphazardly. You don't just fall into it, stumble into it. Now, I don't want you to confuse God's guidelines for friendship here. That it somehow brings into you a lack of concern or love lost for the lost people of the world. Because we're still called to be in relationship with lost people. Because one day that same people that you might need to set some boundaries with, they may need you someday. And God wants you to be secure and in Him and in a position to help them out of their destructive lifestyle when that time comes. 
And so there's this balance we have there as Christians. We've got to create this distance in this relationship, in this friendship, and it's painful. But I still want to be close enough to know them by name, to be able to pick up the pieces of their broken life. But I'm not going to let that affect mine. I'm not going to let it take me down a path I don't want to go. Because the consequences of sinful choices in our lives are very, very painful. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning. At any time during the message this morning, while I was talking, did someone pop into your mind? Adult, teenager, did you have somebody pop in your mind like, oh man, Batman, whew. Yeah, nothing ever, nothing good ever happens with that guy. I might need to put a little space there. You know, I gossip and slander more with her than any other friend in my life. I might need to put a little bit of space there. You know, her negativity, she's just so negative all the time. I just can't, I just can't stand anymore. I've got to put some space there. I'll ask you another question. If you could push a button right now and immediately be out of that relationship, be disentangled with them, with no complications or no issues, would you do it? For the sake of your life, for the sake of your life in Christ Jesus, would you put a little space there if you didn't have any complications? You know, the first week of this series, I talked about avoidable regrets. I said some of life's biggest regrets that you have, that you carry as a human being, were avoidable. They can be avoidable if we allow God to install his guidelines in our lives. And I sometimes wonder when I preach, what if a year from now you could look back? Would you wish you had applied the scripture you had learned today and not waited? And so I want to challenge you this morning. Why not pretend that today is a year from now? It's your second chance now and move back inside the lines. Because I'll leave you with a word of wisdom from the Lord. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm.